Welcome to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys looking to model positive Christian leadership in our work, families, church, and communities. Want to discover ways to apply scripture effectively in everyday life? Tired of the pat answers in Sunday school? Then settle in for a gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny Christian podcast. And now, No Church Answers. And welcome to No Church Answers. This is a Christian Roundtable Discussion for Men. You know, this is podcast number 303, hard to believe. And we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around, bang! Not sure where you ended up, but spin it around. Find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. And that is where we are. You know, we're not pastors. We're just regular guys, each on our own spiritual journey, meeting daily challenges just like you. And that's why we're here. We are having a Christian discussion for men and unlike others we aren't taking any church answers and we're glad that you've joined us you know this podcast has been called deliberately provocative and unexpectedly funny and so we're so glad that you checked it out this podcast is available on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcasts we're on facebook youtube and at nochurchanswers.com so rate our podcast leave a review and without your support this wouldn't be possible so thanks so much we are in a discussion of simply Jesus, a new vision of who he was, what he did, and why he matters. And it's a book by N.T. Wright. And the name of it is actually just simply Jesus. And I tell you what, this thing is basically, I don't want to say it's shaking my faith to the core, but man, it's been uh, pretty darn enlightening. So, uh, and with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, introduce the panel and we're going to get to it right now. Uh, he is a former world-class policy writer. He is a current professional gambler. He's the show producer. It's Mr. Steve Titch. Hey, yo. Steve. And back from being on location, bureau chief, he <laughs> is a, a corporate trainer and kind of the group theologian back in studio. We call him the professor. It's Robert Koshu. Hey, Robert. Everybody. And... Out with an excused absence, of course, attorney, prosecutor, the judge, Michael Cropper. And my name is uh, Bill Cox. I'm basically uh, kind of like a retired contractor, uh, director, uh, but still kind of contracting. <laughs> anyway, um, this podcast has been going on for six years. And thank you so much for for being with us on this uh, on this Christian men's journey. And it's been so long. I was looking through some pictures. And, hey, you know, funny thing, uh, the shirt is pretty old because I was wearing it in one of our first <laughs> pictures taken. So so we have been here a long time, and I'm wearing an old shirt. So, and with that, let's go ahead and jump right in and uh, start off with Mr. Steve Ditch. So, yes. Um, we're up to a chapter in Simply Jesus that's titled Space, Time, and Matter. And you, as a reader, you're sitting there and turning the page and you're saying, hey, has N.T. Wright here taken a left turn into physics? And frankly, Stephen Hawking might be an easier read than what follows. But uh, Wright really isn't talking physics. He's asking us to think about the ideas of sacred space, sacred time, uh, both in some way set aside for special purposes, and the material world, and specifically objects that hold something more than simply the sum of their atoms and molecules. Um, and Wright says that the ancient world grasped these ideas much more much quicker and, and almost as a matter of fact, because that's the way they lived than we do today in you know post-enlightenment science, empiricism, uh, everything we know about the natural world and the material world. Um, but he's asking us in this chapter to get back to it. Um, and all religious con all religions have concepts of, of sacred time and sacred space and even and even sacred things. And uh, Judaism was no exception. And the Jewish mindset about space, time, and matter uh, is what Jesus' kingdom will address and what we're going to talk about here. Excellent. Uh, professor. So 
this really all boils down to the word sacred. Sacred, this simple definition, connected with God or the gods, or dedicated to a religious purpose, and so deserving veneration. And in reality, because like Steve said, we're so focused on where we are, what we're doing, and we have this little thing called science in our background, we have forgotten the positiveness of sacredness and setting aside. And in reality, and N.T. Wright talks a lot about this, how every day is the same and everything is the same now. And there's no difference. And I think that is where the crux of this lies. And I'm going to throw this out there since we're a podcast. We started out as our has um, Men Matter is one of our podcasts that we do. And then, you know, Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men. So our we have a primary focus for men in our podcast. Men need this worse now than they've ever needed it before in their time. And that is what this podcast ends up being all about. Bill? Excellent. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, jump right into the first reading. Um, this is 2 Samuel 7, 5 through 7 and 11 through 13. Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers who I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built a house of cedar? The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I think most of us understand the concept of a sacred place, but we don't, we don't think of it as a need. We think of it as kind of like a luxury. People that are faith-based people, people that live a life of faith, feel that they have their spiritual, their sacred place, where they plug in their sacred place. And I think as we've gotten into more of a secular society, <laughs> this is kind of out the window. Well, and, and just to show you the difference in how we think about it versus how the ancient people... Second Chronicles 8, actually pulled this up this morning and it was my reading part, but Second Chronicles 8, 11, Solomon brought Pharaoh's daughter up from the city of David to the palace he had built for her. And he said, my wife must not live in the palace of David, king of Israel, because the places of the, the places the ark of the Lord has entered are holy. Just think about that for a moment. He, he literally said, no, 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 I can't bring my heathen Egyptian wife, who probably was really hot, and that's why he kept her, not to mention the whole treaty obligation. Can't bring her home, because that's where the Ark of God has been. So I'll just build a palace for her. Now, he had the money to do it, but he, he drew a line around things. And, and I think that's part of where we are as men, and, and it really plays a lot into the time, as we'll talk about later, but setting aside a place or a location or maybe, you know, you have multiple locations and you kind of bounce around them, but setting aside a place where you can disconnect, and, and I'm going to use that word, and, and I'll hit it hard multiple times in this, is the little pocket computer we're all carrying around nowadays has dramatically in, invalidated and inoculated us against sacred time, we'll talk more about, but also sacred spaces. You know, how many people have you seen in church playing on their phone during the sermon? How many of us have done it? <laughs> hey, I've done it. 
I, I really do try to avoid doing I, that. I try to avoid doing it, and the problem is I'll start getting alerts. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not careful when it vibrates in my pocket, I have, an, I have a, mm -hmm. almost a need, pathological, I admit, to pull it out and take a look. In a way, that's why I, I don't like using my device. I've got the Bible gateway on it, but yeah. I don't like doing it in church. I'll take the yeah. I'll take my printed have a, Bible. Have a print Bible. Um, yeah, for the same speak, reason. For I the agree. same reason, because once once you pick it up, the what Wright talks about, and actually that's that sacred space here. We, we understand that, but to, what Wright talks about is that the Jews of the first century understood. Um, the idea of temple differently than we see maybe church, a church yeah. building. Though we talk about the temple, that we talk about the church being God's house. We tell our kids that, oh, this is... But the temple was a, a, a mystical place. Well, especially um, in the early years. And, and, and yes, well, the, well, well it, was, it was where God, God, heaven and earth, were to meet. And whether, and you know, and at least, certainly, certainly it happens in Book of Exodus with the Tent of Meeting, which in, in reading we had, God references, I have traveled with you. Um, David wants to make it a permanent structure. We, again, we read in the Bible that God dwelt in the temple, but at the time of the Babylonian, the sacking of Jerusalem, Ezekiel has this vision of God in the cloud and everything, his glory, leaving the temple. But to, to Jews of the time, this was still an important place, whether there was whether uh, debate whether God was there or not. But it, it held that, it held literally to them, it was a place where heaven and earth intersected. And and, um, and, and 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 that that it wasn't simply and and as 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 Wright puts it, you didn't believe God left heaven and came down and you know spent spent his Sabbath in the temple. He was always there as he is in heaven. It was like I don't want to I don't want to use pop terms, but it was like a portal. And we're yeah. going to get into mystical stuff, but it was it was a place where the two. Two, he has a, he has a Venn diagram in his book about yeah. it. It's where the two meet. Well, and and even in the New Testament time, if you think about it, if you go back to the story of the birth and conception of John the Baptist, mm -hmm. John's father was a priest. He drew the lot to go into the Holy of Holies, back room of the temple, mm -hmm. where until sometime, probably when the Egyptians hit, sometimes before the Babylonians, that's where the Ark of the Covenant rested. They still kept that room separate and sacred because the only mm -hmm. person allowed to go in there was the high priest. Mm -hmm. And he could only go in there once a year to do plead for the, the sins of God's people because that was still believed that was the location of where God dwelt mm -hmm. and intersected. So the Jews of the time even still understood that that space was still holy, sacred, and set apart. And, and I, I think that's a mindset we can't seem to get into because even at this point, mm -hmm. remember, the Ark's gone. There is no mm -hmm. Ark of the Covenant in that space. It's an empty room that no one's allowed to go into, you know, except once a year. And and just think about that in our mindset. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not, we're going to do what we want to do mm -hmm. when we want to do it. And here's a room, room that is not, that is all, that is off limits to everyone because it is holy. Yes. Not, not because you know. Oh, it's 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 because because it is a presence yep. we are not worthy yep. to go and, into. And there was a curtain over it. And mm -hmm. if you, when Wright talks about last week, we talked about the kingdom mm -hmm. coming. When Jesus dies at the resurrection, the veil, that temple, that curtain that kept that room separate from everything else, it split top to bottom. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's the gist of his section here. Yeah, that the temple. I mean, he comes out pretty much. The temple reaches the end of its purpose. Yes, the the, the Jerusalem temple, the structure. But essentially, if you read it, the the Jesus says the temple ends, mm -hmm. and he is replacing it, and that's. But that's the hard concept here. Okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> there, there's no more temple. There's no more place. 
how do we comprehend this idea of Jesus himself being the point where heaven and earth meet? We do see, and, exactly. I, and I think that's where that's where the Holy Spirit, the indwelling, and 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 I think the time factor now comes into play more than the space factor. I think back mm-hmm. then it was a space because you had to go to a physical location. Mm-hmm. I think there is still some space because there is, sorry, you can't just watch TV. You can't just watch church on TV in your mm-hmm. house. You know, COVID is over, boys and girls. <laughs> come back to church. But but coming together and forming that sacred community of fellowship and being mm-hmm. together, I think, is one of the important parts that we have to keep. And that that sacred part forms, but I think it forms now. I, I think it comes into the Corinthians. I'm sorry, the Romans, where two or more are gathered in my mm-hmm. name. You're, you're right because because now they, you're creating. They, the they had space. now the, the 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 Jews. They had they had places of meeting and worship, synagogues. Right. The temple was the place you went quite literally to get right with God. Right. To take your sacrifice to go there during one of the festivals. You know, and who knows if you were of limited means, how often you got a chance to go there. But your religion pretty much dictated that was the place to to make your make your confession, your atonement, and and of course on on Yom Kippur on the Day of Atonement, that was done on behalf of I I, I presume of of others who simply could not do that. But right. you really wanted to make that sacrifice, uh, which we talked about. Last and the, but but by then it had become so corrupt it become it become a commercial institution for atonement. Mm-hmm. Well, how many times have you seen stuff like that? <laughs> Something that starts off pretty cool and meaningful, but as it gets bigger and gets more accepted, and more people are going into it, it dilutes the meaning. It it dilutes it. So. I mean that's that is not um that's not hard to believe. I mean that it that it's something that would would lose its lose its mm-hmm. meaning. But Be, before you go to I do want to bring up one other thing because it, with the the reading we read which we we covered actually when we covered David a bit but we were talking about in the context of David you know that's the one thing he didn't get to do and what was the psychology of it but in that prophecy that that was the point God says, you don't have to build me a house. I will build you a house. So there's, uh-huh. a, there's, a, there's a prophecy of something coming. Absolutely. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. This is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors, pastors and, and church, church leaders. leaders. Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com. Or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back. This is No Church Answers. We are discussing Simply Jesus, a new vision of who he was, what he did, and why he matters by N.T. Wright. Wow, this has been a... uh, (laughs) It's been an eye-opening discussion, and I'm going to get right in on our second reading. This is Mark 2, 23 through 28. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath. 
we have lost the concept of Sabbath and the purpose of Sabbath. And I think that, and I, I mean, we've talked about this multiple times over, you know, mm-hmm. on the podcast, but I think it's something that the whole concept of sacred time or, re- and, and, and I'm just going to say it this way, rest time you know, becomes important. You know, I've talked multiple times over. When I have to work on the weekend, I don't work on Saturday. I work on Sunday. And everybody, that's the Lord's Day. (laughs) No, 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 no. Here's the deal. On Sunday, I get up and teach Sunday school with youth, and then I come over here, and I do other things. I'm already working, doing things. Saturday is my day to unplug (laughs) and stay away from that because that's what's important. I think what's different, though, uh, nowadays, as opposed with um, back when this was written, is the fact that uh, it was hard manual labor. Hard being, you know, uh, being a nomad, being a shepherd. I mean, just think about all the uh, modern conveniences that we have. These people needed a day to rest and to recoup. The big difference with us nowadays is that... uh, our lives are pretty much 24-7. If you want to do something, you can find a place and do it 24-7. And so to have the opportunity to do that, it has to be manned. And that's what people do. But we're not, we're not running our lives. I don't work as hard now um, as I did when I was a, a kid on the farm. I just don't. I, I, I mean, I still need a lot of rest, but it's not because I'm overworked. <laughs> The, the irony is, is what, you know, we, we now do 20, 24-7. We've come back. Uh, Wright, is, Wright is, in addition to being an, uh, a theologian and, a, and a, uh, is, is also a student or more a professor of ancient history, Judaism was the only religion where the deity absolutely commanded you take a day off. This... This was this was weird. This was an anomaly in the ancient world. The Romans are touching on. It. I mean, there's a little bits of references to it in the in the chosen about the Romans being totally annoyed because all the all these Jewish subjects just take the day off and they make their servants take the day off for one day a week. What the heck is going on here? And the and and what it would have seen as a a day to reconnect with God and it's God ordained. That's you know, it's, it isn't, it isn't, and, and that maybe, maybe, maybe what we're trying to get no. back to, what we're trying to get back to is that God prescribed this time to step back from your, basically, your daily, uh, literally your daily work, but the daily things you got to care about to, to, to reflect on him, to, to reflect on other things beside literally where your next meal is coming from. Well, and, and, and this is where, you know, we'll talk about the pocket computer even more now mm-hmm. because now I'm stuck with that pocket computer buzzing in my pocket. And, you know, I, my, my work emails, you know, I'm, I'm still gainfully employed as of an hour ago. <laughs> uh, but, you know, my work emails come on my phone and my work emails, my work for, because of what I do and who I am in, in my company I can't ignore those emails. I at least have to look and okay, it's nothing. I need, you know, I don't need to read and do something with it, but I need to look and make sure because I have had emails in the, on the weekend and even when I've been out camping where I needed to go do something because we had a problem that I had to deal with, and and I'm not alone in that. And then not only that, but then you also throw in, well, I've got the social media stuff I keep up with, and then I've got the extracurricular I do. And, Oh my gosh, I have to see what cousin Betty did, mm-hmm. you know, when her husband was, you know, was in the hospital and there's all this other stuff going on. And so even more, I, I agree with you, Bill, it's not a physical labor, but it is most definitely a distraction and it's a 24-7 distraction. So, but worse. what what we have is, is, is the, 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 the part of this is, is the... Is is what Jesus is trying to do with the whole idea of the Sabbath? Yes, and and uh, he, you know he's there. He's not there to eliminate the law. He's there to fulfill the law. That's what he says. And you know we talk. This is this is something where really he he attacks the Pharisees on 
more than one occasion about the Sabbath. Well, because and, they they made it into a into a they made it into so in training we have compliance training which mm-hmm. people treat it check the box mm-hmm. and yeah okay whatever you got check the box but there's more to it there's a there's a reason why you learn about how to lock something out and tag it out so you don't turn it on with energy mm-hmm. in it. There is more to yeah. the Sabbath than just okay. God the, said I got to sit here. So it's we'll not a. It's not the ritual. The ritual Bingo. got confused with the meaning. Yeah. And so so yeah so it was all about not you know all about what are the six hundred and forty rules of things you couldn't do on the Sabbath, right. which are really not in the Torah. That's all <laughs> derived from from the Talmud from from teachings connected to it. So you you can you can argue that that is not what God necessarily intended. But moreover, this is, an, and Wright points, points this out in the irony of the whole thing, is that the Sabbath in Leviticus is connected to, well, it's not just one day a week. It is, it is prescribed one day a week of rest. But then later, uh, it's, it's part of, you know, we are, the, the, the people are to leave their fields fallid, fallow, Every seven years, they're going to live the land to rest, which is wise agricultural uh, practice. And then the biggie, which we never read about happening for all the Pharisees who are very, very much penticulous to the, the letter and dotted I and T or however you want to have that in Hebrew of the law, the Jubilee, the Jubilee where where all land was to be returned um, debts forgiven. You can imagine the economic chaos it would cause in this day and age. But that's something to consider about the kingdom of God. That you know, banking may not matter. <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, right, right, right. Go where right goes is that that all all of those Sabbath laws, the day of rest, the day of fallow, and the jubilee, point to Jesus Himself as. The jubilee, the the, mm-hmm. the the forgiving of all debts, being sins, and this idea you could you could say the the returning of land, and you know, goodness knows, I I'm not a I'm not a scholar of the time, but I'm sure there were a lot of people taken advantage of. I think that has to do with basically balancing the scales of justice, where where what is taken will be returned. And what is what is you know there there will be uh there will there will be a reckoning which is the which is more explicit in other parts of the Bible but if you if you look at what the jubilee is intended to do that's kind of it well it, it it was there to put in so that because the land returned to all the original families deaths were canceled slaves were freed you know the whole nine yards. Everything it was designed, as you said, Steve said Steve to reset society periodically, to where you didn't have mm-hmm. a rich ruling class. And you're right to to our reckoning. The Jewish nation never observed the jubilee, ever. And and I'm kind of like you. I kind of laugh at the Pharisees, and and it, it almost like I almost wish I'm sure he did, but I almost wish Jesus would have brought it up. I mean, I know he talked about I am the year of Jubilee, but I really wish I really wish Matthew would have wrote it down, <laughs> you know, because I would love to have heard that discourse with them, because because it really is, and and like you said, it really it's a way to call back to reckoning that hey, if you've been blessed and been given, you're required to give back, and and I think that's one of the things that a lot of the prosperity gospel miss out on. Oh, you've been blessed by God, so you're going to get all this. Yeah, okay, you've been blessed. You need to do stuff because you've been blessed. You know, it's not just you get to get all the good toys. Yeah, maybe you you had the money to get the toys. But you know what? You have a responsibility to use those toys judiciously, but also to give back and let others use your things and let people rejoice and share with others. And I think that's where the comes back to in essence without without the year of jubilee you end up degenerating into nihilism <laughs> look where you, we are now yeah yeah it, exactly as you move forward and so that's why the sacred time becomes so important because if you don't take time to set aside to acknowledge the creator to acknowledge what he's doing to actually rest yourself rest the land 
think about what you can do for others, then you're right. You end up into a society full of nihilists and yeah, living in it now, it's not a good thing. You know, I, I, I really appreciate it, um, this part of the um, text because you think about the agricultural side of it, uh, making people fallow the land every seven years. And honestly, that's really not enough. <laughs> even even every seven years is not enough. Typically, what we did is we rotated our crops every three years, uh, so you'd have something that would replenish the replenish the ground. Uh, but and it was funny, and I didn't realize until I read it in the book that they. I mean, I've heard all about the jubilee many times. I never realized they never celebrated it, and it, but it only makes sense. In the fact that it's a great concept, but you're talking you're talking about a country that has been overrun. There's all sorts of different uh, different religions, different people have made their paths across there, and it, w- it would take 49 years to uh, to get it straight, jubilee straight for the next one. You know, just just to get everything. Kind of like transport. And, and I mean, I know it's almost impossible. I'm not going to, but to circle back to what you said yeah. about the gospel of wealth, let this be a warning to them. The Jubilee oh. is what heaven is going to be like. Uh-huh. There's going to be no no ownership. Right. There's right. going to be no savings accounts. That's a, If there's you read no it this way, there's boys. no 401k. There's <laughs> no, you're not, no, I, I don't think that Parable of the Talents was about Gee, what a great job you did in an investment. Go to the head right. of the line when you get to the pearly gates. No, that that perhaps is the best thing out there to, to, to think of. If you're buying into this gospel of wealth, the Jubilee stands there and the, the Israelite nation never did it. And Jesus was definitely displeased with that. And certainly, no doubt God was. But that's what God's plan was. Never, We don't have to worry about even what God thought about it. God's plan was this idea of a massive redistribution every 49, 50 years, yep. which, which really, as Americans, you know, we really want to talk about. We were all, well, we couldn't do that. We couldn't. We, well, we would obey, well, what would we do to the currency? What would we do to the interest rate? What would, what would the Federal Reserve do? I mean, you can imagine all the, discuss, all the discussions my Christian Republicans' friends would say about this. Including, you know, including myself. But, oh, yeah, yeah. but it's 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 yeah, it's there. The trouble is, it's there and needs to be confronted. Well, it, it, it needs to be confronted in the sense that it's a calling. Because I agree, the parable of talents. You know what it's about? To whom much is given, mm-hmm. much you just is said. required. Mm-hmm. And and it's one of those. You know, if if you're the if you're the rich guy, contributing your ten percent because that's what my tithe is. Ten percent, ten percent only. My tithe, but in the meantime, I've got five hundred million dollars in the bank, mm-hmm. you know, and you're not doing anything over and above your tithe. We need to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the whole idea of the relationship and faith is is that you've internalized um, these values, right? And you should want to do something because you recognize good has been done for you. Yep, and so. So honestly, you know, and that goes back to, I think we had it in a podcast, I don't know, maybe 10 or so ago, where we were talking about people that on their, that get saved on their deathbed, you know, and does that make you feel cheated because you were saved when you were a teenager and you lived a disciplined life? Well thing about it is is if you actually internalize those values when you did get saved and you were on your deathbed you should feel a little bit of remorse in the fact that you didn't actually get to use those talents mm-hmm. and with that we're going to go ahead and take our second break this is no church answers we'll be right back hi i'm bill cox director of man up spiritual oasis for men We hope you enjoy our show as much as we enjoy doing it. But our ministry needs your support if we are to continue to bring our TV show, 
our podcast, our live shows to men seeking spiritual refreshment. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron of Man Up Spiritual Oasis. Get more details at our page on patreon.com. If you would like to support us directly, you can make a contribution through PayPal at donate at manupmedia.org. All contributions are tax deductible. We're not pastors, just regular guys. So whether you're successful or struggling, we hope to bring you the good news of God's saving grace as we share our own spiritual journeys. Please consider supporting Man Up and No Church Answers today. All right. Hey, welcome back. This is No Church Answers, and this is the third reading. This is Mark 4, 35 through 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the fun part of the chapter because, you know, we've talked some philosophical ideas here. Wright gets down to literally the, the nitty gritty material things. And, and now I, I grew up, I, I grew up in my church, early church life was in the New York area in the Northeast, which um, of course is the hotbed of, of the intellectual establishment and yes, even in my Catholic upbringing, there were teachers and 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 clergy who who wanted to explain that all these miracles really really had a had a scientific explanation behind them that that they were not miracles and and in many ways, I think there was this desperation that well, I need to get through these kids because in this day and age they're not going to buy this stuff. And indeed, yeah, you got the agnostics who say, yeah, this is all all made up. Now, I, I like the way Wright turns this skepticism around. And it's not to say you shouldn't be skeptical or shouldn't be didn't ask questions, but there are all skeptics who say, I, I just don't, I'm a Christian. They'll say, I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus was the Son of God and all that dying for sin stuff. I just don't believe that the miracles happened and that all that aided. And Wright says to them, so you think we'll have an incarnate God walking around and everything would stay the same? So, so we'll, we'll, we'll ignore the, uh, the uh, John chapter 1 passage and the word became flesh uh, to start with. And, and then we'll just kind of roll from there and, you know, water to wine and... Eh. You know, he had a little secret grape juice out of his pocket. He had the the card trick thing working in his sleeve. You know, he's pouring it out. Um, you know, it, it walking on the water. Well, you know, there was actually a wreath there underneath it. Jesus yeah. knew where it was. He could do walk you, do you do you know do you know where I really can appreciate that? Now I got all these. The trouble is, as I said, you tend to grow up and you tend to remember all the images from your childhood. Church, so right. you have these illustrations of a still water Jesus out there, maybe helping Peter out. Have you ever been out on your local body of water, even Lake Michigan, and seen how the water bobs up and down? It doesn't. It's never flat. No, <laughs> it's never. No. And the Sea of Galilee was not that. And so there is this. He's and and but the the point is nobody. The the world, the physical world, isn't made that way. You know, you can't walk on water. That's just, it's just a, an impossibility. Yet what, what Wright is saying in this and the and immediately quelling the storm is a demonstration that, you know, Jesus is the genuine article. This, why wouldn't this is, why wouldn't this happen? Why wouldn't this happen if, 
you indeed were in the presence of an incarnate God. Can you imagine the cover story of Fisherman Times if Jesus, God drowned, you know, if the storm, huge storm came up, Jesus claimed to be God, and he drowned. Well, I'm, you know? just, I, I'm just laughing because not the, the, the catch of the fish. Right. But it's one of those things where, and, and when you talk about the wine thing, what most people don't realize, he didn't create like, I, I, I had a kid actually, because I used this as one of my, one of my uh, humor in the Bible things, because Jesus created in essence 347 bottles of wine. Based on the volume of the... Yeah, based on the volume. Yeah, you know? right, right, and, right. and not only that, but, but I like, my whole funnest part about that is, is I am 110% certain that Jesus got the look from his mother because his mom comes to him and says, make, make the wine for him, honey. And and he's like, mom, what business is this? It's not my time. And, and she doesn't say another word to Jesus. She just goes to the servants and says, do whatever he says. So somewhere in there, I interpret it to mean Mary gave Jesus the look, <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay, mom, <laughs> whatever, you know, but, it, but, you know, the volume alone is just, and, and it's not just that he does matter in ways that defy the laws of physics as we know them. He does it in spectacular <laughs> ways. You know, 347 bottles of wine, five loaves, two fish, feed 5,000 people. Oh, and by the way, they collect 30-something baskets of scraps mm-hmm. at the end of the day to feed everybody with. You know, he, 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 the storm is not, you know, the, the opinion I get from this is this wasn't a simple storm on the Sea of Galilee, Mm -hmm. that this was like the, the rolling springtime thunderstorm that has the 50 foot wave, the, Mm -hmm. you know, 10, 15, 20 foot waves, because Mm -hmm. the fishermen who fish the Sea of Galilee all the time are actually scared. Mm -hmm. So this isn't like Joe Blow me, who's never, who's been in a boat, but you get me in a bad storm. I'm, I've never seen that. These guys have seen bad storms. So they're worried. And Jesus, ah, peace, be still. And it just shuts down. You know, mm-hmm. it is spectacular changes in nature. It's not just little tweaks here, little tweaks there. Oh, it's hot today. Oh, let's make it 95 mm-hmm. instead of 100. You know, it is like spectacular changes in nature. I think one thing that should tip us off that this is special is because Jesus talks to the wind. He talks to the storm. He doesn't talk to the fishermen. He doesn't tell the fishermen, hey, the way that you can survive this is you turn the boat into the waves, you bring down the sails, you do this, you know. He doesn't do that. He talks to the wind. Hey, stop it. You know what I'm saying? So so it's like being in an authority figure and the, and the wind obeys him. Mm-hmm. Which which I I found which is close I I pulled the quote out of out of Job in my notes it isn't precisely but but God asks who sets the who who sets the pathways for storms it's a it is it is something God does and He's doing it that's exactly that and and His authority is over nature itself which of course is a statement to any paganisms around there who you know you know Neptune was the god of the sea Neptune was the guy who was you know charge of storms and stopping them or 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 winds they uh there were wind wind figures too and here is jesus he's this is creation and i'm 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 in charge of it Mm -hmm. and and these miracles are unquestionably miracles they're not they're not the kind of thing that on a good day somebody else could do you know Mm -hmm. Or if the right circumstances happened, this could have happened. No, no, no. Lazarus was dead for days. Four days. <laughs> four four days. days. Four days. For four days. You know, he should have been buried today. Yeah. You know, because Jewish, they, uh, by the oh, third day. Oh, he was. Day. He and, was. And they, yeah. they wanted to move the stone. And, and when, when Jesus says, move the stone, everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Easy. He's yes. going to sink. <laughs> was right. kind of um, the reaction of it. Right. Right. So... Uh, so that's the thing about it, and uh, I just want to just bring something up that kind of shook me about this particular book, Simply Jesus. I did not realize 
that there are multiple characters both before Jesus and after Jesus that were kind of like in the running for God. In the running to be a Messiah. And it only makes sense because the Jewish people were looking for one. So they're looking so hard for one that they're, is this him? Is this him? No, is this him? And I did not realize that so many people were actually, I mean, it makes sense. They knew the Jewish laws. They knew the signs. I didn't realize that they were modifying their life and their behavior to become that way. Kind of disappointed me, you know. Um, You're talking about the the the, the, the Messiah candidates. The Messiah and candidates, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. As opposed and, to the people waiting. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The, mm-hmm. And and I didn't even I didn't realize that, but it only makes sense that that happens. And all I could think of is in my own life, the posers that I've run into, the people that. They like come in with a big gold chain and yeah, you know, or mm-hmm. they got the Louis Vuitton purse and they got the they got the brand new bands and then they go back to their really small apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it just it just reminds me of so many people in life, the inauthenticity that so many people nowadays live the inauthentic way. And apparently that's not a new thing. The, the interesting thing is that I think, well, maybe that's the foremost thing that Jesus had an authenticity. I mean, all these, these miracles backed up his claims. Um, but there's, there's, there's no doubt there, there had to be some presence there. Just, yes. I mean, when we, when we read about just the fact that touching, touching the hem of his robe could cure you. I mean, wherever he, he just, it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't him alone. It was the environment around him. The, 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 it the, was the, the energy, the energy you yeah. could yes. you put it. And, and here he, I mean, this is, this is, this is what's dramatic about, right? He wants you to understand that Jesus truly was the incarnate God of the old Testament, the God who gave us the, the Ten Commandments, the God who made all these promises to the Israelite people and the Jewish people, but then opened it up to the whole world. And um, he only, I think he calls it simply Jesus because he says it's all there. Stop trying to analyze or, or rationalize it away. He almost says, just sit down and just imagine if this were all happening like it said. And and it says and indeed your perspective changes and and um, so I mean you can walk away saying oh I don't believe it but I think he really wants to reach Christians here who who want to take a half Jesus who want to who say oh he was a man of peace he he was a good teacher uh, maybe he was God maybe the spirit of God was upon him and. No, well, well, and I'll, I'll go as far as saying that's not what the gospels say. No, if you're using, if you want to use the gospels as a source, that yeah, all he, all this. Josephus wrote that there was this guy Jesus of Nazareth, and he was taken to believe the 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 savior. He didn't write down all of of Jesus's teachings. Those are in the gospels. So if you're going to turn to the gospels and say, oh, well, there are a lot of good teachings in here. But I'm, you have to accept the rest. The Gospels, the Gospels do not begin by saying, here's the story of a great teacher, a great rabbi. They come in and say, like, like John 1 1, the, the word, in, world became the flesh. The word, and the word, was with the God, word the became word flesh. Was, and the word that was this God. is the story of, this is a testament of Jesus the Messiah. This was not, and, and, and all through it, you have things like this that you simply cannot divorce from the teachings. Yet you have to conf- you have to confront the miracles, and you can't get away with saying, "Oh, these were simple people." Oh, that you know, there's a- no, no. Like you said, these were things that nobody else could do, Absolutely. and you can't do today. And 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 maybe 
and, and maybe we can segue over to that, that idea of, I mean, when, when that energy with Jesus, Jesus is no longer on the earth, but we always hear about miracles every day. And does that sacred time, space, and matter still come into this world? Are we still bumping up? Now, N.T. Wright would say yes. And if you want, I heard a good story in my own ABF Bible study class uh, that, that will, will give one pause. Um, but I'll, I'll throw that out. That's one of the things Wright's, um, it talks about in a little bit about that this, this, ener- this, this, this temple idea of earth and heaven still overlap, and heaven is a lot closer than somewhere upstairs in the clouds where you go, where you die. Heaven is, you know, just through a, through a veiled curtain right beside us. <clears throat> right. Um, one thing that I feel about it is that although we do not have the uh, ability, we do not have God's ability, However, he imparts to us people of faith the wherewithal to act in a moment where we need to display God-like mercy. And I go back, and I've, I've said this example many times, a car accident, a car caught on fire, the person, the random person that, doesn't even know this guy that will risk life and limb to help someone out that they don't know. I feel that right there is the spirit of God dwelling in a different vessel. And mm-hmm. that's the that's the kind of thing that we get heaven on earth. And if you don't believe it's heaven on earth, ask the person that survived the car accident. They got pulled out by a stranger. I and I will go one further though, because I want this is this is because we're a men's podcast. Not not you're absolutely right on that, but there is an other direction too, and this is the most difficult for men: surrender, just surrender at that moment. And and this is this is what I heard. And I, I we've got a, a a chaplain who's a co-teacher, uh, and as I always say, if you don't believe in miracles, talk to a priest or chaplain who works in a hospital because they have loads of stories about it and this is a particular moving one and again it, it's more about surrender it does not it, it, it was a case where a young boy i know probably probably a toddler because i maybe maybe one i think i think it just turned one it was like his one year birthday they had a party uh a balloon broke he swallowed the balloon rubber Ooh. and was not breathing for 15 minutes 15 minutes not not a minute by the day they had to get to the hospital and they they did they you know they they got the fragment of the rubber balloon out but he was in a coma he was on oxygen they didn't know that the doctors said he might not wake up he might die if he wakes up he's probably severely brain damaged uh, because oxygen was not getting to his brain for 15 minutes and that simply like in this world in this material world that's not how the body works two minutes is your time the, frame, the mother way. the mother just sat and just prayed and said i don't know what to do god i am turning it over to you and a bit later believe it or not the kid coughed which which actually is a sign of respiration. He coughed, woke up, and asked for milk. And was totally, I mean, was, was no different mentally or whatever than he was before this happened. He was, there was no brain damage. There was, and the, the doctors don't know that, oh, well, you know, must have, it's, it's, it was inexplainable. And as my, 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 um, uh, my, my, my chaplain friend and associate said, what you, what this was is the miraculous breaking into every day. The miraculous, something something you never expect, um, and that and 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 he has loads of stories like that, and everybody does. I mean, you go back, you'll hear some relative. Everybody has a story. Like everybody has a near miss story. I talk about. Everybody knows something that happened that the doctors or nobody could explain. Nobody could explain. But it was t- 
totally, and I think this is what the key is, totally anomalous to the laws of nature. I mean, not, not, not simply, oh, we, we got to the, you know, I, I didn't make my flight on time and, uh, or, or I got the, the pilot was able to pull us out like Sully. It was completely enough, something that does not happen in this physical world happens. And there's really, I mean, it's, it's not like it happens all the time, but I think there's enough of a history of this to make you ask, is NT right right? Is, is, the, is, the, is, the, is there simply an effluous curtain between our realm and God's realm right now? And is that, is that, is that Christ's doing? Is that part of this kingdom? That's the, that's, the, that's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And as much as I, I'm a firm, firm believer that when Eve took the bite, something radically changed inside the world and it changed even, I think that started it. And then when we got to the flood, we had another radical change of the mm -hmm. physical, spiritual realm of the world. I think another change occurred on the day of Christ's mm -hmm. crucifixion, followed by his resurrection. And then the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the believers. I think at that point, th there are pivotal moments in human history. I think those three times or where something happens that mm -hmm. radically alters the relationship of God, man, the matter world, and the spirit world, for lack of a better mm -hmm. term. And I think the dependence of those changes things because you, they, they talk about the Holy Spirit coming on prophet, one prophet at mm -hmm. a time. Now the Holy Spirit can be on everyone at one time. You know, just as a difference in that. And I think there are just and I, and I think that's the mystery N.T. Wright is talking about when he talks about this sacred time, space, and matter, that the differing times in, in human history where things change and we don't, we don't recognize the sacred because we're not looking for it either at the same time. Well, one, one more thing, and maybe it goes back to what you were talking about a minute ago about you know being able to pull somebody out of a car or best being there for somebody. Um, Wright says Jesus was not he was teaching his disciples not how to rise above the mess of the world like we're too good for it he was teaching them to be literally bringers of the kingdom kingdom bringers and that's really what our mission is um, so how do we do that how do we how do we be kingdom bringers and also why is that so hard I know we love to sit back and criticize oh look at those guys they're all sinners whatever uh, where I'm, I'm set every, I go every Sunday. My soul is good. Uh, I, however the hymn goes, um, it is well with my soul, um, which I don't think has anything to do with the idea of accepting salvation It's accepting kind of the real world and the kingdom that exists within it. But I digress. So Bill, you are our, you are our kingdom bringer guy. <laughs> I think your person has to look at like the stone. When you hit the water, your first responsibility is to that inner ring. And as you, as you make your commitment to that inner ring, you are using what the Lord has given you. They, he's given you the framework, the roadmap, how to have a successful life family now you can you can ignore it and you can go uh, you you have free will uh however you're not going to experience the joy of heaven through your free will and without having reverence mm -hmm. because part of it is in, in I talk about this with my kids. The beautiful thing about faith is this, is that when things are bad, you don't necessarily take all the blame. But when things are good, you don't get all the credit either. <laughs> there's, there's this sweet spot of life that you have as you're going through life, life of faith. 
and that is when when you are blessed you pass that blessing on and when you're hurting you have people willing and ready to bless you and so that and and that's kind of the uh, the synergy that that I that I feel of it um and as like NT Wright was talking about and Koshi uh professor brought up it just seems like there's there's these realignments that happen it's it's kind of like it's the new deal <laughs> the new deal happens mm-hmm. you know every once in a while there's a there's a new deal there's a new there's new uh new rules you you hit it that's what it is that's in fact that's the title of one of his upcoming chapters under creation under new management <laughs> that's the new new stuff here and that's exactly yeah Excellent. And with that, we're coming down to the end of this particular podcast. And I want to hit up with the, with the fellas and get some uh, practical takeaways and start with uh, Professor Koshu. So take time to find the sacred in your life. That, that's my practical. Um, find the sacred time. Find the sacred place. Understand that the matter around us is God's. And he can do with it what he wants. And it's really up to us to take our time and find out what and whatever it is. It doesn't, I'll be the first to tell you, it doesn't have to be Sunday. It doesn't have to be going to church. You know, should you engage in fellowship with other Christians? Yes. Should you do your Bible study? Yes. We call that exercising your faith muscle. But take the time to find the sacred time in your life and find the sacred place. Because as men, we get wrapped up in our stuff, and we get wrapped up in our work, and we get wrapped up in our families, and we get wrapped up in our church, and we get wrapped up in our extracurricular, and our fantasy football, and making sure we know that Taylor Swift is dating Kelsey at at the Chiefs game. But (laughs) it's up to us to find the sacred space and the sacred time, because that's really what the Sabbath and the Jubilee and all of that was about. It was about pulling aside your time, your place, and your space to recognize that it's not about you. It's about God at the end of the day. Excellent. Uh, Steve Titch? Uh, use your imagination. And as I, I made a, a half a joke about all the, all the paintings and illustrations we saw in our youth, go Imagine what it really was like for Jesus to walk the earth, um, to to be here among the, let's call it the rabble, and what that was really like when when a miracle happened. And and you can take you can look as I said, look out on on just just a a if you're if you go out on 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 the water, and imagine somebody walking there. What 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 it would t- what entail what it would react or if you see someone in a wheelchair uh imagine what it would be like if somebody came alongside touched him and that guy that person got up and walked and accept that as the world that Jesus created when he was was here not you know not to gloss over the miracles the miracles I mean, there's a way you want to work on on a faith muscle aspect that, you know, not to downplay this, not to poo-poo it, that you believe, you believe in a Savior that had authority over the natural world, over space and time. You know, we love those science fiction concepts, but this is is the king of the domain, king, this is his dominion. Uh, and, And that's really... But what Wright continues to to emphasize that that Jesus' mission was was uh, yes he came to redeem us of our sins and give us a path to salvation and eternal life. But that that is just one one big part of this all encompassing mission to repair the brokenness of the world. Excellent. And with that, thanks so much for tuning in to No Church Answers. And once again, thanks so much for all our sponsors and supporters. On behalf of our producer, Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, who's out, 
Robert Koshy, my name is Bill Cox. Our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So please rate it and leave a review. And if you have any questions or comments, you can go to our Facebook page or knowchurchanswers.com and post it there. And if you're unable to attend a church, well, shame on you. Uh, check out Sugarland Baptist streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube, and sugarlandbaptist.org. It starts Sunday at 9.45 a.m. And when you are ready, yay, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate and find a small group, ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School class that you can join for Small group discussions like this and find one that is men only. And if there isn't one, start one. And take no church answers. You've been listening to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. Tell us what you think. Leave a comment or review. Want to know more about us? Then visit nochurchanswers.com and our Facebook page. Check out our video series on our YouTube channel. You can also become a patron of No Church Answers by visiting our Patreon page. No Church Answers is a production of Man Up Spiritual Oasis Media, which is solely responsible for its content.